It was probably during the flag protest, in the midst of um, anger and frustration at what happened a few years ago over the flag at City Hall and the protests that went on in the days and weeks to come, somehow compassion stole through. And I started to think about these communities that were protesting in a different way, maybe a Christ-like way. But it really wasn't to do with us because we didn't live in East Belfast and there was no point in poking our nose in. However, we were happy to go to West Belfast and poke our nose in. And Lena Doon at that time where Father Martin was during the flag protest. But loyalist communities wasn't Fitzroy's thing. But compassion was stealing through. And it lingered with me. Made me uncomfortable. That we had very clear relationships with one part of our divided community. But we had kind of missed the other. But it was a way over east. So I had an excuse. Until that afternoon. In a presentry subcommittee. When somebody brought up the school of music. And how because it used to belong to the Crescent Presbyterian Church that they would have to get in touch with Fisherwick because it would have to go back to Fisherwick. Fisherwick? I said very quickly, the Crescent didn't join Fisherwick. That building is ours. Now if I could go back, maybe I'd say give it to Fisherwick. But it wasn't over east. It was just down the road. And not only that, but I'd buried people from the pass. Some of our congregation live on the pass. And their memorial stone is out that door. So all this stuff that was brewing up, suddenly it was personal. And it was Fitzroy. The lectionary readings are John 11. Lazarus coming out of this black thing behind me, all wrapped up in toilet paper. Story of resurrection, beautifully placed at the centre of John's editing of his gospel, where we've had all these signs leading up to this sign, and then there's a shift for the last ten chapters after the first ten chapters that the fulcrum seems to be the story of resurrection. No doubt giving the disciples some clue to what might be happening down the road. But I was drawn to Ezekiel 37, probably because it was in the same week that we were having yesterday's consultation with the community of Donegal Pass. Because as I started to think, where were those places that we needed resurrection? Those places we needed new life? I was taken into the valley of the dry bones. Started to unpack that. The NIV Study Bible. 
says this is the third of four visions Ezekiel sees. The imagery is that of a large slain army that miraculously comes to life on the battlefield. The open grave that Ezekiel walks into suggests an undignified burial. The imagery refers to the death like nature of exile where the children or the people of God were at that point where Ezekiel is speaking. But the promises of the impossible that somehow in their exile will come back. Study Bible goes on, out of death comes life. God again commands Ezekiel to do something and interrupts the vision. The exile hopelessness and the detachment from the promises of God fuels this vision's purpose. There's a people in exile detached from God and it seems hopeless. The word yesterday for Donegal Pass at one point was dank. And in this undignified burial ground of Ezekiel 37, this vision is that God interrupts with this vision and new life and hope. One commentator that was reading this week said that Ezekiel is like this people group who have gone through the same political decisions again and again and again and have found impasse. And I wasn't sure whether I was reading the newsletter, the Irish News, or a commentary on Ezekiel chapter 37. And into this story, God's gracious initiating breath. Ruah. This is the word here. Breathing in to life. Like in Genesis. When God breathed into man, womankind and give us life. Interrupting. Giving life through the spirit of God. Reviving, if you will. And yet as God does it all and we can't do it without God... Ezekiel has a role to play. Ezekiel is asked to come into the dry bones. Ezekiel is asked to prophesy into the situation. And as Ezekiel does what God asks Ezekiel to do, then God comes to interrupt almost in partnership with Ezekiel. So here we are. The people of God and Sarah without us talking about it, has prayed into us being prophetic. So where are our dry bones? Where are our valleys? Where are those places that seem hopeless? Surely, Donegal Pass might, for some of us, feel like that. Presbytery have been looking at Donegal Pass from the markets, right through to the balls and the falls, as we call them, to the village, and realizing that there's, there's no Presbyterian church with a minister. There are some other little churches doing their part. But in some ways that swathe of loyalist Protestant working class has become detached from the promises of God. Yesterday upstairs in the Alexander Hall, one member of the Donegal Pass community said... We have lost our faith in God. Communal. Talking about the past. 
and went on to talk about a cross shape in the middle of the pass because he added, I still believe in God, but I'm not practicing. And I'm thinking, where does Fitzroy's prophetic word, where does the spirit of God's breath breathe in? What is the context of that? Reese spoke during his A-levels in Breda Academy, which in itself, wow, on Donegal Pass. But he shared how, when it was suggested to him he could go to the Met to further his study, that that was another part of town. And they wouldn't be comfortable going there. Whoa. What's that about? Reese didn't tell us that he's already got good AS results and will probably be going to university somewhere else next year. But the Met was in another part of town and that was difficult for him as a teenager to go into that other part of town. Sonia from the Chinese community spoke at our table and used the word threatening a lot of times. That it was threatening to walk down through the pass and shared with us how Donegal Pass Presbyterian Church, there was a Chinese restaurant that had a lovely meal in a few times, closed down because they were threatened. The counteract to that from the table was that they were threatened during the flag protest, and it was a particular situation that caused that threat. But Sonia suggested it was a threatening place to live. Our own Brian Dolohan spoke about the gas works so close by, with so many people working in it, and we're taking taxis from there through Donegal Pass or around Donegal Pass to get to wherever they might be having meetings. Now, is it possible? Is it possible that into this valley we might be becoming Ezekiel's to speak into it, to partner into, because the feeling and sense in the room yesterday was one of almost enjoying being around tables together. It wasn't difficult once we got going. Is this our valley? No decisions are made. We're not making decisions. One of the decisions we have made is that we're not going to be pumping money into this project. But might it be a valley for us? If we go back January a year ago to our church weekend when Doug was over from Scotland speaking about Jeremiah on the Sunday morning. We had a time of thinking about what Doug had been bringing out of Jeremiah. And Michael Fitch shared about the biofield and said that in their group, as they were reflecting and meditating on that, he couldn't help but sense that buying a field that Jeremiah bought that was absolutely useless because it was in the war zone, that was really buying a field that was going to lose money if be any use at all, but it was an investment of hope to say something's going to happen, that you're going to come back from exile and that this field is going to be useful at another time, Michael suggested that our field might be the school of music. wasn't a definite decision. No decisions are made. But is it possible that that's our valley? I would ask you to pray that as... The group of Fitzroy get together with a group from the community. That we will see God either breathing into it 
or telling us that this is not the way to go, that there's other things in the past that were not needed or that that's not useful or practical. But the journey goes on and we seek God in every step of that journey. But it's not the only valley, is it? Because as Sarah has prayed, we have this frustrating impasse on the hill. What do we do about that? Is it just going to continue like that all the time? I was at a meeting of civic leaders on Friday and somebody said, I don't know whether I want them to get the institutions up and running because I'm not even sure that they have the ability if we got the institutions up and running to deliver what we need to deliver. Education. Health. Jobs, employment, infrastructure. That I know some of you are suffering in work right now because of the uncertainty of what's going on in the hill. Johnny took some of my lyrics a while ago and was singing it the other night when the Selma group were here. We need a breath of hope in this dying place. In this valley of death, we need a kiss of grace. Will I be the dark? Will I be the death? Will I be the kiss? Will I be the breath? Another valley. Personal. There's a singer who passed away many, many years ago called Mark Hurd, and he sang, Everybody's living in a brand new earth, a brave new earth. Prisoners of the small worlds that orbit in our skulls, native son of a new man's land, friends and lovers in the cold, cold ground. Every now and then, I seem to dream these dreams, where the mute ones speak and the deaf ones sing, touching that miraculous circumstance where the blind ones see and the dry bones dance. Dreaming these dreams. Where the mute ones speak and the deaf ones sing. Miraculous circumstance where the dry bones dance. In our personal lives this morning. Do we believe that maybe breath could breathe in to whatever the circumstances are. And that God might interrupt something that seems hopeless or impossible. And as we come to conclude, I'm going to suggest that we are the hope breathers. Yes, God breathes. Let me put that another way. We are the Ezekiels to God's hope breathing. We speak into the situations. Into that valley of dry bones into that undignified burial ground, Ezekiel was asked by God to speak into it, to prophesy to the bones, to speak to the bones. And as he spoke to the bones, God's breath, God's ruah, initiated something new. So I would like to call us, challenge us, inspire us this week to walk into a myriad of valleys of dry bones. And to be those who would speak into them. Now, what I'm not saying is that you walk into work in the morning and as they all sit down at their desks, you all go, excuse me, listen to me for a moment. I want to breathe some hope into the situation of the morning. And I'd like to quote Ezekiel or Jeremiah. I'm talking about the conversations at coffee, conversations at lunch, conversations in our family, conversations as we talk politics, the conversations as we talk about whatever it is we talk about, that we would be those who would prophesy 
hope, that we would be those who would prophesy life, that we would be those who would prophesy the kiss of grace by the words that we use. Angels speak in ordinary colors. Angels speak in ordinary words. But we're drawn to their masterpiece. Their wisdom is beauty rarely heard. These may seem simple conversations. These may just be simple things. Just a thought to share in passing. Or some rhyme a singer sings. But an angel beyond coincidence lands not even a minute late. Not even a second early. Much more precise than fate. All these things we do are skeletons. Just bones that have given a chance could come to life and duck and weave and move in some crazy dance. Dancing in my deepest soul, waltzing through my heart and mind to twirl and twist my life around. Mysterious ways of a grand design. Oh, the extravagant detail of the everyday things we do. May you dance for me. May I dance for you. Somebody said yesterday as we were leaving from the community, they said to me, Ah, well, I guess the devil will be in the detail. Can I suggest that in the week that's ahead, that we as the people of God should be God in the detail? Should we be those in the conversation that don't come in and say, ah, it's useless, we're finished. But try to breathe some hope. Try to bring some encouragement. Try in our conversation to be glass half full rather than half empty. That we should be those that are speaking into whatever valley of dry bones we're in with the belief that maybe God could just add some life into whatever that situation might be. Bishop Isaac, who you know I loved greatly, Bishop Isaac in Onilaku, in Arua, northwest Uganda, around 2008 was doing his children's talk much as David was doing it today. And as he's doing his children's talk to these children who couldn't go to school because there was none nearby, he sensed God speaking to him almost like God spoke to Ezekiel. And he could sense that God was saying, speak into this. These kids need an education. And so he got up from his children's talk and after the service, he dreamt that dream of the dry bones of Onilaku dancing. And he put in process and spoke to who he needed to speak to with a glass half full that he would get a school for those children. So the parents came and they built a kind of run-down school and they used the church building, but he kept talking to people. He kept breathing hope into it. And I remember that day, two years ago, when we drove through the gates and parked the bus and in the slight distance about 150 yards from me was this amazing building that stood out in the community around it. 
Because Bishop Isaac hoped. And Bishop Isaac spoke. And Bishop Isaac prophesied that there would be a school for his children. And somewhere across the world, this community were doing something and the initiative of God drew us to the same project. And I'm looking forward to the 5th of July. 93 days, my children tell me. When I will get out of that bus again, and it will be a crazy, raving dance that the 280 or 300 children that will pour up towards our bus will give us. It was a hopeless situation. Bishop Isaac had no money. Bishop Isaac couldn't start a school. Bishop Isaac was in a valley of dry bones. But he listened and he had hopefulness and he brought a kiss of grace and a breath of hope rather than a, well, there's nothing we can do about this. Were the dry bones? Were the valleys? I think God says to Fitzroy in a range of places, be prophetic, speak into it, and watch me initiate some life where you didn't expect it. Let's pray. Lord, hope is a frightening thing. It's a dangerous thing. Because many of us have been there where the hope never happened. But hope is a good thing. Maybe the only thing. And you call us to be a people of hopefulness. Lord, may we just for a moment ask your spirit to search our souls. In those casual conversations over coffee, Lord, in those longer more scheduled stories over dinner with friends and meetings that we go to? Are we those who speak hope? Who give life? Who talk about the possibilities? Who imagine interruption? Lord, if like so much of a weary world we just shake our heads and settle for the impasse and maybe even say oh it is useless turn us around Lord turn us around to be Ezekiel speaking hope into undignified burial grounds Praying your spirit to bring dance. Where are those places, Lord? What can we offer, Lord? Give us the courage, Lord.
in your name and for your glory. Amen.